Hi everyone. Welcome to the Farm Commons podcast, where we explore timely and important legal issues and questions facing the farming community today. For community-based farms with a focus on sustainability, managing legal risks is especially important as many innovative farm enterprises like community-supported agriculture programs, on-farm suppers, and gardening classes, and unique arrangements for land access and employment do not fit neatly into our legal system, leading to vulnerability. But through legal education, we can cultivate greater resilience for your farm business so that you can continue to grow in ways that best support you, your relationships, and your community. At Farm Commons, we'll show you why and how. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, everyone. It's Eva here with Farm Commons, and we're back today to discuss legal risk management for your farm during the COVID-19 crisis. Farmers, we know you all are going through daily changes on your farms as you pivot sales channels and crop production to meet shifting demand and regulations. And you've had lots of questions for us as you weave through the daily changes to federal programs for financial relief. So our team at Farm Commons is working hard to respond to those and many other legal risk management questions um, through this podcast series. So today we are back to discuss farmers' new eligibility for unemployment insurance benefits through the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program of the CARES Act. Joining me today is our staff attorney for Core Resilience, Sarah Vale, and our office manager and legal researcher, Taylor Coons. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Taylor. How are you guys doing? Hi, Eva. Doing all right, thanks. Doing all right. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Great. Uh, So today, the Small Business Administration just announced on their website that they are no longer processing Paycheck Protection Program, or P3 loans, um, as funds have run out. So this is definitely a huge bummer right now, as many farmers are in the process of getting ready to apply to P3. But let's keep hopeful as Congress is in the process of appropriating more funds. But while we wait, there is a silver lining, which is that farmers affected by COVID-19 are eligible for unemployment insurance under the CARES Act through the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program. And we actually covered that program in detail during a webinar this past Monday, which we'll have linked in the show notes for you all to watch. Um, It's on Facebook, so you can find it on our Facebook page. Um, And we'll also include a link to the audio, which is on Zoom's website. And you can hopefully upload that to your phone and listen to it while you're out in the field or running deliveries. Um, But for farmers and agricultural educators out there who weren't able to join us, Sarah, could you give us a summary of the pandemic unemployment assistance program or um, PUA. Gosh, so many acronyms and programs these days. (laughs) Yes, I sure can. Thanks, Eva. So hi, everyone. Um, Here at Farm Commons, like Eva said, we've been focusing very heavily on the CARES Act and the many programs available under the Act that may potentially be available to help farmers. And so when we say farmers, we're talking mostly about the small direct-to-consumer farmers who rely on local markets that have been most impacted by COVID-19. So those are the farmers who sell primarily to restaurants and at farmers markets and their communities who now have little to no market at all for their products because those venues are closed or they may at least be way reduced in their capacity. So uh, we've already covered the Paycheck Protection Program, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, and some other um, federal relief relief program right now in our other podcasts. 
But as Eva says today, we are on to the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance or PUA program. So, uh, so what is the PUA program? Well, this was part of the CARES Act or the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, which was signed into law on March 27th. And PUA does some really amazing things for American workers in that it expands both the amount of benefits that people can receive and also the length of time in which people can receive the benefits. And it also, and this is the really amazing part for <laughs> drum farmers, <roll>. <laughs> drum roll, enables workers who traditionally have been unable to obtain unemployment benefits. The self-employed, gig workers, independent contractors, and also those who haven't fully lost their job, but maybe have just seen a reduction in the number of hours that they can work. So this is huge. Yeah, absolutely, Sarah. Big, big news and um, huge opportunity for folks to uh, hopefully pursue, but more on that um, from Taylor towards the end of this episode. Um, well, so the next big question I'm sure on our audience mind will likely be, um, does this apply to farmers? I am so happy to be able to share some good news in that answer here, Eva. Yes. PUA does, in fact, apply to farmers, and here is why. This was a big question that we had here at Farm Commons, so we really delved into um, some pretty deep research to get our answer, and we came across the Department of Labor's guidance document from April the 5th. So this was the guidance that it put out to all of the states, and it said right there in its document, that self-employed individuals means, get this, here's the definition, individuals whose primary reliance for income is on the performance of services in the individual's own business or on the individual's own farm. Woohoo! So that's some great news. Farm business owners are in fact included in the very definition of self-employed individual. Yes, very exciting news to have that um, be right there in the definition. And so are there other eligibility requirements for farmers? Like it's, they're written into the definition, but are there other um, things that they have to show to really like put an exclamation point and underline and highlight that eligibility, uh, say other hoops that they have to mm -hmm. jump through to get those benefits? Oh yeah, Eva, there are always hoops, always more hoops as we know with the, with the government. Um, Yes, we know that farmers, and, and here we're talking about farmers who own their own business, um, not farm employees on someone else's farm, are in fact considered self-employed individuals, and that's great. But that doesn't mean that they will automatically receive benefits. So the next eligibility hoop to jump through concerns whether the need for unemployment benefits is directly related to COVID-19. So the CARES Act states a list of 11 ways that applicants can show that they're eligible. Now, if you're a farm business owner and you're taking the time to read the CARES Act and you're reading through this list, you might be thinking, I don't fit into any of these. 
if you, if you read the first 10, they say things like, I can't work because I have COVID-19 and my employer requires me to stay home, or I'm caring for another family member who has COVID-19 and I cannot get to my place of employment, or my employer's place of business is closed because of COVID-19 and so on. So these first 10 reasons are all geared towards traditional W-2 employees who have been always been eligible for unemployment benefits. But hang tight. It's the 11th reason that subsection KK under the PUA provisions of the CARE Act that is your ticket in. So KK says you can be eligible if you meet, quote, any additional criteria established by the Secretary for Unemployment Assistance under this section, end quote. So this is when we get back to that Department of Labor's guidance document I mentioned earlier. So in that document, they say that the Secretary of Labor has determined that in addition to employees who qualify for benefits under the other criteria described above, an individual who works as an independent contractor with reportable income may also qualify for PUA benefits if he or she is unemployed, partially unemployed, or unable or unavailable to work because the COVID-19 public health emergency has severely limited his or her ability to continue performing his or her customary work activities and has therefore forced the individual to suspend such activities. So it continues, for example, a driver for a ride-sharing service who receives an IRS Form 1099 from the ride-sharing service may not be eligible for PUA benefits under the other criteria outlined above because an individual doesn't have a place of employment. So they can't claim that they're unable to work because their place of employment has closed. However, under the additional criteria established by the secretary, that driver may still qualify for PUA benefits if they've been forced to suspend operations as a direct result of COVID-19. So, and that's if there's an emergency state or municipal order restricting movement that makes their continued operations unsustainable. So, you know, unfortunately, the Secretary of Labor didn't use a farmer as an example. They used an Uber driver, right? But it seems that an analogy can be drawn from the Uber driver to farmers. If the Uber driver gains eligibility because COVID-19 has severely limited their ability to continue performing their customary work activities and has therefore forced the individual to suspend such activities, the farmers should likewise gain eligibility for the same reason. So farmers markets are closed and so are restaurants and whether it's due to shelter in place orders or just an inability to do social distancing um, and the produce farmers have to suspend the activity of selling at farmers markets or selling to those restaurants, that seems pretty clear that that's a direct result of COVID-19. Yeah, absolutely, Sarah. That does seem very clear um, that produce farmers who can't sell through their normal channels because those normal channels are closed, whether at the market or to restaurants um, and elsewhere, if they can show that it's directly related to COVID-19, they're, they're eligible. Um, but what about um, 
say the dairy farmer, um, which we've heard from lots and lots of dairy farmers trying to figure out where they land within this um, program. Um, and dairy farmers who have to dump milk because the buyers aren't making cheese anymore because no one is buying the cheese because no one is going to restaurants to eat pizza and pasta and fried mozzarella sticks and all the other cheesy delicious goodness. <laughs> <Right at me. laughs> oh, I'm getting hungry. I know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, that's a way harder scenario, you know, and dairy farmers were already having such a hard time before the pandemic. And so it may be difficult to show that their loss of income is a direct result of the pandemic. You know, it's certainly been made so much worse by COVID-19, but, you know, is it the primary cause of loss of income? You know, I was just reading a Civil Eats article this morning about the real crisis that the pandemic has created for dairy farmers who are dumping milk left and right right now. So I certainly hope that dairy farmers are, in fact, eligible for unemployment benefits, but it's it's going to take some work from um, from dairy advocacy groups to convince the states that this is true. Right. Well, what you just said, Sarah, triggered another question for me. Um, you said that they'll need to convince the states that dairy farmers are eligible, um, the different advocacy organizations for agriculture. Um, why is that since uh, this is a federal program? Right. Right. Yeah. Good. Good question, Eva. Yeah. So PUA is a federally funded and created program, but PUA will still be administered by the states, at least whatever states sign up with the feds to administer the program. So farmers will apply for PUA the same way that they would ordinarily apply for unemployment benefits. So that's going to be through the state agency in whatever state that they farm in. So here in Oregon, that would be the Department of Labor. But you may be thinking another question here. So many farmers may never have been W-2 employees at all and were never eligible for unemployment. So probably you might be thinking, how would I ever do this? I have no idea how to apply. But that's okay. We will have some help for you. And in a moment, we will hear from Taylor all about that. <laughs> in the meantime. <laughs> The question on everyone's minds, the biggest, most important question of the day, how much money am I going to get? So this is going to depend on what you were earning, but generally it will be around 50% of what you were earning. So that's just normal for unemployment. You never are going to receive the full amount of what you were when you were working under the unemployment um, program but um, you'll get about half of that. So, and so this is going to be your net profit if you were self-employed, you know, but here's, here's the big kicker. In addition to that 50% of whatever you were earning, the PUA is going to give you an extra $600 per week. And that's going to last from, uh, from either uh, March 29th or whenever it was that you became unemployed, if that was after that through the end of July. So after July 31st, you can still receive benefits equaling about 50% of what you were earning, but that $600 is going to go away. So as long as you continue to be unemployed, you can continue to receive that amount of benefits throughout the end of the year. 
Right. And that, that $600, even though it's for 13 weeks, that's a, that's a, you know, decent sum of money to get by through those 13 weeks um, and then still have the up to 50% of unemployment continue on after that. Um, so potentially really valuable support resource for farmers right now who are um, self-employed, so not W-2 workers themselves. Right. Um, right. right. I mean, that can work out to, you know, more money for a lot of people. Uh, that works out to be, you know, more than minimum wage, $15 an hour mm -hmm. and, and upwards. So um, a lot of a lot of folks are going to be doing all right under this program mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah, and especially just thinking about last um, growing season in a lot of parts of the country, um, business was booming, especially for a direct-to-consumer farmers. Mm -hmm. um, so really, really worthwhile opportunity. Hopefully, I hope, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, hope. <laughs> so I guess my next question, Sarah, then, is how do farmers calculate their earnings, especially if they've never sure. had to do this before? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's so it's easy enough if you're a W-2 worker, you just look at your, at your employment records, at your pay stubs, and figure out, you know, on a weekly basis how much you are making. But if you're self-employed, it becomes a little harder. So farmers will need to figure out how much money they were making. And this is going to be per week, you know, before this all happened. So the guidance documents say, look back to your taxes, your tax returns from 2019 and get your net income. So after your gross profits, take away your expenses. What are you left with? So farmers could look at their Schedule F on their taxes for 2019 if they're done. So, you know, we're coming up to, you know, April 15th has passed, but we know that the tax deadline is um, extended now out into the summer. So taxes may not be done, but you're just going to want to look at whatever financial statements you do have. And it might mean working with your accountant. It might mean um, just looking at your, you know, your bank statements, your receipts, and just trying to, trying to figure it out. Um, then if you are still getting any income per week, that's going to have to be subtracted out to arrive at whatever, um, you know, income you're, you are then going to, you're going to get that amount to the state and they'll then determine what benefit you receive based on that figure. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Taylor, um, shifting over to you now, can you tell us about how folks can apply for the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program in their state? I know you've been working on a great state-by-state -state detailed spreadsheet about how farmers can go about this, so we'd love to hear um, an overview about what they can do and how in their state. Sure. Uh, thank you, Eva. Um, this is Taylor. Uh, I created a state-by-state -state guide on what your state is doing right now to help implement the PUA program. So basically, it will tell you, it has a couple of columns. So one will be file now. So it's a question. So basically, your state will either have indicated that yes, you can file now, they are accepting PUA program applications, or it could be a yes or no asterisk. And so what that means is your state might not have the technical infrastructure to understand these applications or to determine eligibility on them yet, but they do want you to apply as you might normally do for unemployment insurance. And they'll basically just 
kind of keep it in a pool until they're ready to look at them. And you might get a denial or you might not get any information after you apply, but that's okay because they haven't determined whether you're eligible or not. They will decide that later on when they can, but they are encouraging you to apply if you're from that state. There also is another handful of states that are asking you not to apply right now. They do not have the infrastructure to understand these applications at the moment, and they're waiting for the correct applications and guidance to do that. So they're asking you to wait until they can. A lot of states are saying they'll have that type of infrastructure in the month of April, but you just have to keep checking. And what you'll keep checking are some of the other columns in the spreadsheet. So it has the government entity that will be doling out these, type of, these types of applications. And then a lot of states will have FAQs for you. It gives you general on unemployment insurance. Some are specific to the PUA program. It just depends on your state. Another handful of states has like quick guides or step-by-step -step instructions or things that can help you figure out how to apply for your specific state. And those will be listed there as well. And there's another section for general other guides or helpful tidbits for you for your specific state. It could be an infographic or a PUA specific page for you that will continually update. It can be anything like that, a media release on what they're thinking, how they wanna move forward with the program, anything like that, it'll be in that column. So you basically just have to keep checking. They, they truly are updating these very frequently. They go day by day, things change rapidly because this is pretty unprecedented. So you just have to keep checking for your state and seeing if they've updated anything for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Taylor, um, for that update and also for creating that comprehensive state-by-state -state resource on PUA for farmers. And so everyone out there, that spreadsheet will be available on our website soon. Um, we are quickly working with our web designer to add a COVID catch-all page to our farmcommons.org website as soon as possible so that you guys can access our webinar webinars on EIDL, um, the P3 program, um, the unemployment insurance benefits for farmers and ranchers affected by COVID-19, um, the corresponding legal memos, Taylor's PUA spreadsheet, and future COVID resources that we develop moving forward. So do keep an eye out for an update on that from us soon um, on our website and also our Facebook. We've been trying to keep pretty active uh, posting our new podcast episodes and um, Zoom meetings on our Facebook, so follow us there too. Um, well, thanks, Sarah and Taylor, so much for sharing your important legal insights with us. Um, and farmers, if you have any questions while you are navigating everything, um, email us at info at farmcommons.org, and we'll do our best to get back to you and respond to your questions here on this podcast in future episodes. So best wishes to you all as you navigate these opportunities. Hang in there. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. For more information on what you just heard, as well as a variety of farm law guides, models, checklists, flowcharts, and more, visit our website at farmcommons.org. You can also email us at info at farmcommons.org if you have any questions or comments about this podcast or any of our online materials. Thanks everyone for listening, and keep on growing.